Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 15! You almost did that in one breath. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> a really long, long, long sentence. <laughs> it, it's because I'm so used to saying it each week now. It just trips off the tongue. Then I forget to breathe and uh, one day I'll die mid-sentence. And then it's mine. It's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> the cabinet is yours. <laughs> all the stories. <laughs> How are you, Nick? Yeah, all right. All right. All right. All right. Went at work. Got a gin. Yeah. Bought nice. a Hoover. It's very exciting. <gasps> a Hoover. Oh no, yes. Okay, okay, Nick. 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 Is it a cordless Hoover? Yeah, it is a cordless Hoover. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. <laughs> this is it this is. is it, kids. This is your life when you get into your late, late, late thirties. It's cordless vacuums all the way. It's what you talk about. It's like I used to be young and cool once. Now it's oh, I got a new Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> Other uh, vacuum brands are available in all shapes. <laughs> <laughs> so if Dyson want to sponsor this podcast, we <laughs> are here for it. Nick, any poisonings this week? Oh, many. Oh, okay, good, good, good. There's They're progress. They're all dead. Oh, wow. 100% yeah, success rate. Done. Sorted. Done. Yeah, we're good. What did you use? Oh, so many things. Was it chartreuse? <laughs> it was. <laughs> no, it's not poison. It's lovely. Yeah, that's, but that's what you said to them while they drank it. And then they died. <laughs> yes, I did. Cursing your name. <laughs> oh, there's too many herbs. <laughs> Wait, Nick, are, are, you, are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Can I just drink cocktails? Could just, just for, for once... Or you could drink poison and talk about cocktails. I... You know, you got two choices. I want more options. Do you want to drink cocktails and talk about cocktails? I want to drink cocktails and drink cocktails. And then what do I do? You can, you can have some I poison. shouldn't really ask that, should I? <laughs> I'll drink the cocktails, you have the poison. Oh, good. And you will write the stories of my death. <laughs> This sounds like a one-sided deal, but okay, okay. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. So, anyway, it is episode 15. God, 15. It's R-rated. Ooh. <laughs> but first of all, obviously, we cannot, cannot continue our story without a drink. God, no. Without a cocktail. As you know, every single week, we create a curious little cocktail inspired by the tale that we tell, uh, using a secret ingredient taken from the story. It was my story this week. We know my track record of the secret ingredients being quite high on the bastardometer. So this week... The secret ingredient is champagne. <laughs> See, these are good, it's a good ingredient. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Yeah, You'll give ingredient. me that, will you? Okay, I don't think it's particularly imaginative. <laughs> I, I, but I, I'll go with it as an ingredient. I just can't win, can I? You really can't, no. It's the double standards morning, noon and night. <laughs> I give you champagne. An excuse to drink champagne on a Tuesday. <laughs> I, and you know full well I chose champagne to be nice. Quite frankly, I could have chosen a whole host of other shit and made you make a cocktail out of it. There's there's one that you did mention that I might actually make as well. Is it cheese? 
because cheese yeah. is in this. <laughs> it's not cheese. I don't, I'm not actually come across a cheesy cocktail. Um, well, it was more like if it was cheese, then we just have to have a nice red wine with it and then some cheese. <laughs> but it's not cheese. It's not the other thing, which I'll reveal later on. But it is this week's champagne. Everyone can champagne. get on board with champagne. Absolutely. So, Nick, master mixologist, what have you come up with? Well, we are going absolute classic. <laughs> absolute classic with a French 75. I don't know what that is. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. It is a, it's a classic, simple, classic cocktail that is quite lovely. Is it champagne with more champagne? Probably needs better <laughs> champagne than I've got. Um, <laughs> French yes. 75. French 75. 75. Well, we will discuss the ingredients presently, but Nick has sent me the instructions. We're going to go to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. See you in a minute. Back in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, a French 75, Nick. Classic cocktail. Where does the French 75 come from? So, if it's a classic, what, what makes it a classic, then? Makes it a classic. It's been around a long time. Um, like me. Uh, you classic. Think very carefully about what you're about to say, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> yeah, of course you are, darling. Of course you are. Carry on. You may continue. Um <laughs> French 75 was, well, as far as I can see, one of the first uses of it was the um, was Harry's Bar hmm. in Paris. So it was created around 1915-ish. Oh. So we're looking, yeah, a long time ago, middle of the First World War as well. Okay. So it's actually named after um, a French field gun called the 75. Oh, wow. Okay. It's actually named after uh, artillery. Oh, well, it sounds so elegant, but it's so elegant and pretty. Uh, 75mm field gun. Oh, lovely. It's it's beautiful and it will kill you. <laughs> yeah, yes, so quite deadly. Quite deadly. That's that's where the name comes from. Well, it is a very elegant drink, very fine looking drink. So what's in it? So we have um, a base of gin, mm-hmm. lemon and sugar, mm. which is a, comes up in all manner of classic cocktails, that combination. Um, so that in a flute topped up with champagne. Well, sounds like it can't go wrong. So let's dive wrong. in and have a taste. I think it's very pleasant. Mm, it's classic for a reason. Yeah. Lovely. I mean, okay, it's not hugely f- flavourful, but it's, it's one of those things It's difficult because you could probably have an awful lot of them. Yes, I can imagine. It's not like some some cocktails are incredibly potent and strong mm. and you know, wow, okay, that's a strong, vibrant cocktail. This isn't that. It's an everyday sort of cocktail that's been around a long time. I don't fancy just a glass of champagne. Makes it up, make it a bit different. Well, you could, again, I mean, if you didn't want to use champagne, obviously use the best wine and the best spirits that you can. But if you want to use Prosecco, which, full disclosure, oh, I, I did. Yeah, I've used Prosecco. Yeah, absolutely. Champagne is, well, sparkling wine and Prosecco, as much as everyone drinks it by the gallon, particularly on beautiful sunny days like this, it is pretty lethal. I mean, for me, white wine and champagne and wine, I, I get drunk on that so fast. I can't really have that much of it at all. And this has just hardened it up. Which is uh, which is always good. Yeah, I, I really like that. If that lemon, lemon and gin is a classic combination. That in that with the fizz, I think it's lovely. It is a really nice way of dressing up kind of mediocre Prosecco, dare I say. I'm a big advocate for English sparkling wine. I think they're, they're amazing and you can get really reasonable, good sparkling wine these days. This Prosecco that I bought, it's fine. I wouldn't choose to drink it on its own. But with that in there, delicious, refreshing, lovely, sprightly, lemony. Yeah, it's good. Mm. It's a good one. It's, it's not one that's going to set the world on fire. Probably a bad choice of word for our <laughs> <laughs> this gun is shit it just keeps firing champagne my god why are we so french but it's actually you know yeah. what good dinner party drink oh absolutely yeah a little aperitif or something or a little welcome cocktail when your guests come in if you've got some prosecco or you just want to zhuzh it up a bit you'll have some gin and lemon in the house give that Enjoy. everyone will be happy as larry and under the table nice burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we have our French 75s firmly in hand. So are you ready for a story, Nick? I'm always ready for a story. Is it, are we going to France? We are not going to France. Boo. We can't leave the house. We're not allowed to travel yet. In our minds, in our, in our minds, minds eye. Well, in our minds, we have been in various places. We've dealt with wily, witchy women and witchy uh, poisoning rings all across the centuries. But let's head back to the Victorian era, my friends. Nice. Nick. Hello. When a doctor does go wrong, he is the first of criminals. He has nerve and he has knowledge. Palmer and Pritchard were among the heads of their profession. Sherlock Holmes. Yay! <laughs> I knew that. Sherlock Holmes or Arthur Conan Doyle writing as Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Speckled Band, which we've also referenced in this podcast we have. before. Bizarre. Brilliant Sherlock Holmes story, by the way. It's a good story. Is referring to two real-life poisoning cases. Palmer, who we dealt with back well, in episode him. three, William Palmer, and Dr. Edward Pritchard. Yes, this week we are discussing another deadly doctor, Edward Pritchard, the poisoning philanderer, or the human crocodile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was human crocodile. <laughs> I'm slightly intrigued. Now, this quote from Arthur, Sir, 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 Arthur Conan Doyle, about Palmer and Pritchard were amongst the heads of their profession. Hmm. Were they really? Well, let's examine this. Edward Pritchard was born in Hampshire in 1825 into a naval family. His father was a sea captain. Now, his childhood, little patchy. He reportedly apprenticed to a surgeon at the age of 15. He studied medicine at university and then he served as a doctor in the Royal Navy. So this is throughout his teens and his early 20s. He was on ships sailing around the world, learning his profession. And when he returns to Portsmouth from one of his sailors, adventures, he meets a young lady, Mary Jane Taylor, daughter of an Edinburgh silk merchant. <laughs> Ooh, very fancy. It is very fancy, very fancy. There are not enough silk merchants around, palming off their daughters <laughs> to sailors. They were wed the following year and Pritchard set about setting up his own medical practice. He decided to set up his uh, GP practice in Yorkshire. So, you know, you know fairly innocent start, yeah. you know, pretty standard there we go for witches around there lots of witches around there i mean he thought he could do good yeah his medical qualification they are uh you see he claims to have studied at king's college london but other sources say he obtained or bought his diploma of medicine from universities in the netherlands and or in germany and during this time when he moves to yorkshire he and his wife they will go on to have five children are determined to have a nice well-to-do life he's quite excited about being exactly about being a doctor having his own practice feels that he'll make his way in society there and dr pritchard does love to talk about himself oh he does (laughs) he wrote several books 
when he was in Yorkshire and before that about his travels, published articles in the Lancet, a medical journal. Um, he joined the Freemasons in Scarborough. He was really determined to join as many societies as he could. There was a sort of th- the thing at the time, going around the world, collecting things and joining societies and writing articles and things. They were they were very keen on self-promotion, I think. Absolutely, yes. And he was And instructing well. the world about how the world should be through the eyes of an Englishman. <laughs> Well, certainly Dr. Pritchard felt that way. Wanting to make his way in society and make a name for himself, he has this practice in Yorkshire, in a fairly small Yorkshire town, working as a country doctor. Not particularly sex or exciting. But he was described as having achieved a very indifferent reputation. He was (laughs) fluent, plausible, amorous, politely impudent, (laughs) and singularly untruthful. I like that, politely impudent. Yes, that could be written on your gravestone. That's brilliant. (laughs) Fuck off. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) He liked to play the part of a respectable family man and he actively sought approval from people boasting about his abilities. But he was seen as something as a joke by his peers, by people in the community. He was thought of as quite weak and quite stupid, really. And a quote from one person from the village, he spoke the truth only by accident. (laughs) And that's brilliant. I like that. That's awesome. That's brilliant. (laughs) I'm going to remember that. That is a full swilling a glass of brandy, cigarette, biting comment. I'm going to write that down. That's bloody (laughs) marvellous. And I'm going to use it a lot, probably when I'm talking to you. Lovely. So glad I wrote this story for you, Nick. You want to hear something else that he used to do? I do. This is from a report which I had to compress down because the writing of it is so mad I could not make head nor tail of it other than... Is this he's written something? No, that someone was writing. I think it was taken from a report at the time. It makes no sense except in little bits. But it seems to be that he would ride his horse outside of the church on Sundays during the service, making a hell of a noise and clip-clopping around really loudly to get attention (laughs) until someone called him and he would just sort of ride off. There was a line in there, I swear to God, that he was horse-whipping some of his patients. And I don't think that that was communicated properly. I think it was handwriting that was not translated. I don't think he was horse-whipping people. But he definitely was riding around outside the church. (laughs) La, 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 look at me on a horse, flippity cloppity. Self-promotion, again. <laughs> it is one way to get attention. It's one way to get business. Another th- is he giving out flyers <laughs> at the same time? Well, we'll come to that. Okay. <laughs> Another thing about Dr. Pritchard is that he considered himself not only a great doctor, but a great lover. <laughs> and at this point, we really, really, really need to talk about his appearance. Now, see, I have seen a, f- I have seen a photograph or a picture of this man. <laughs> and I must admit, it is a role model for all. Certainly for me. need to Google anyway. it right now just look at it It look at it gaze upon it tape it to your wall do things to yourself while looking at it edward (laughs) pritchard dr pritchard he is about six foot four uh, has a stoop according to some people by the 1860s he is completely bald but with and i quote a long luxuriant beard it is the best beard you will have ever seen i guarantee it it the is biggest beard. It is a beard you could lose a badger in. <laughs> it is, and it's mad. It's there's no it is. why. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's also. Oh, I so wish I had a beard like that. But no, okay. Tell I'm not me why. Shave because it just looks so cool. <laughs> it's huge. Huge. <laughs> He's bald and has a beard, as if to say, "Look, I do have I hair do have in hair. places." <laughs> It's an excellent beard. I mean, the beard must have mesmerised women because he's not attractive <laughs> at all, but considers himself to be quite the lover. Um, even more tragic, because he's bald, he tried to uh, to cover the baldness with a very extravagant comb-over. From the beard? Uh, not with the beard. No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, that's impressive. Just wrapping it around his head like a, sh- like a scarf in a bow. In a big bow at the top. <laughs> no comb-over will ever be as good as a comb over I saw once. This is a slight uh, digression, but I have to share this with you. At my sister's graduation at Essex University, my sister, my, my mother and I were sitting in the auditorium and a man sat down in front of us. The guy had gone bald, but had still was able to grow hair at the back. He had grown his hair so long that he had taken it and coiled it into a kind of a dog turd style shape and then <laughs> lacquered it onto the bald patch on top of his head to cover the baldness in just this weird curly fashion and he kept patting it to make sure it was in place and it was right there in front of me and my mum and we we just spent the whole time kicking each other and trying not to laugh when my sister was having a very important moment on stage greatest comb over ever i'll try and find a picture and send it to you i'm sure i took one (laughs) 
<laughs> sort of thing that you would do. Oh, exactly. Forget your sis again. No, oh, screw her. She's, her. Her <laughs> life is over. She's got her degree. No, I want to see this man's amazing comb over. But yes, here is Dr. Pritchard, six foot four, completely bald, beard as long as his body. But his life in Yorkshire, in his little country practice, wasn't quite what he hoped it would be. He wasn't getting the reputation and the respect that he wanted. He was also... Um, jealous of the beard. Totally, totally. And he was also amounting a little bit of debt, I think. He was taking, probably people were taking out bets about the beard, how long it would grow, and he kept losing. You need a lot of product to keep that beard in check. <laughs> a lot of beard oil going on there. Um, it's it's going to cost you. Oh, God, so many combs just lost inside. <laughs> <laughs> but he decided that the country life wasn't for him. He decided to set up a practice in Glasgow in around 1859. He moved there with his wife and their five children. Uh, his wife family lived in Edinburgh, remember. He decided to go to Glasgow. Glasgow and Edinburgh, for anyone who doesn't know the uh, geography of the area, not that far apart. And his family and the in-laws loved him. I mean, his side of the family and the in-laws absolutely adored him, thought he was brilliant. Any kind of rumours about him being an idiot with a stupid beard did not affect them at all. He arrives in Glasgow. This, this is where I will make my mark. This is where I will win the respect and the love of all the people of the city. Mm -mm, no. Pritchard did not make the impact he thought he would. He was desperate, as I said, to become a member of, of a medical society, to, to gain some professional standing, to, to be accepted into a, a gentleman's club, into a society, to write articles, anything. And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing himself. But people just took an instant dislike to him. They felt that he was a show-off because he did nothing but tell these outrageous stories. And despite his good manners, he seemed untrustworthy might have had something to do with the fact that in his new practice he was making advances on every single single <laughs> or married woman who came into his practice every single one of them i think it's probably the women who came on to him because he was magnificent <laughs> i think they probably found him irresistible he was probably just sitting on his desk naked and only his beard covering his modesty <laughs> And who could resist it? We've all tried it. <laughs> <laughs> I, in particular, have. <laughs> it's mesmerising and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> so he was trying to lure women with his sexy beard. But he was also just telling the most outrageous stories from his travels, from when he was in the Navy. He was saying that he was best friends with General Garibaldi. Uh, not the biscuits, the actual general. I was going to say, did he make biscuits? He made biscuits. He was the one who gave General Garibaldi the idea for the biscuit. And the bastard stole it. No, he said he was best friends with him. He carried a cane with a fake inscription on it saying that General Garibaldi presented it to Dr. William Pritchard with no context whatsoever. He once said to people, I have plucked eaglets from the eeries and the deserts of Arabia and hunted the Nubian lion on the prairies of North America. Okay. The Nubian lion on the shores of North America. On the prairies of North America. Nubian lion was um, the Greek thing. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's in the. It's. I'm sure it's in the Bible. No, it's not in the Bible, but it's in the myth mythologies and things. Yeah, it's North. Are you sure it's not North Africa? Because the Nubian lion was around North Africa. The quote that I have hunted the Nubian lion on the prairies of North America. Utter bollocks. Well, yes, it's obviously utter bollocks. This is a record uh, by the Daily Record. Great source. Maybe they're meant to say North Africa. Either way, he didn't. He bloody didn't. <laughs> he didn't go hunting Greek mythological beasts anywhere. Oh, they're not mythological. They're real lions. I thought you said it was Greek mythology. Well, no, they come from Greek times. And I've read about them in stories, but they are actually real lions. They were, they were now extinct, but up until about the 1960s. When did you become a fucking lion expert? Google, dear, Google. <laughs> Google and reading. All right, can we can we just agree that he's lying? I know Super about stories. tigers. I don't know about lions. I have a small <laughs> area of big cat expertise. <laughs> but still, Dr. Pritchard, you said earlier on about him flyering about his own business. Yes. Well, he did walk down the streets of Glasgow handing out postcards with his own picture on it to people he thought were worthy. <laughs> nice. Oh, I wish I could do that. I don't know if there was any other information on the postcard about his being a doctor or anything. It was just his picture. Just, just his picture and a phone number or an address. <laughs> Hello. Well, I don't even know if it was to women. I mean, he was trying to pick up women. It's a bit brazen if he did that. I think it was just to people he deemed of high society. <laughs> and like, please invite me to your party. Here is my picture so you'll never forget my face and my beard. <laughs> See, that is the, that's the height of self-confidence. Go for it. I mate. mean, there's business cards and then there's just, you know. Anyway, 
Regardless of all of his self-promotion, he was also said to be grossly ignorant of his profession, while daring and reckless in its practice. Not a good description for a doctor, I feel. Exactly. So if you do read The Adventure of the Speckled Band, do take what Sir Arthur Conan Doyle writes there <laughs> yes. and with a pinch of salt. Palmer, as we have discussed, and Pritchard, no, they weren't at the top of their profession. They just happened to be doctors. And we'll get on to more doctors' issues as we go through this story, because... Jesus Christ. <laughs> he continues his practice. In 1863, a fire breaks out at their home and a 15-year-old servant girl sadly perishes Ooh. in her room. Ooh. It seems a tragic accident. It's thought that the fire was started because she was reading at night and one of the gas lights, the gas jets, possibly ignited. There was a malfunction there. But the position of her body when recovered was curious as she appeared to have made no attempt to escape or even move from her bed, Ooh. leading people to believe that she was either already dead or drugged before Would the like fire began. Gas from a gas knock you out, make you unconscious if you were. I did think that there are cases of like carbon monoxide. Even today, so. monoxide poisoning could have knocked you out. So possibly, possibly, but the rumor mill began. No, he was not mm. tried. He was not prosecuted. No charges were brought against him. He was also able to receive his insurance payout for the damage to the home. So after the fire, they move into their new home with four of their five children. One of the eldest children goes to live with the in-laws over in Edinburgh. Um, full disclosure at this point, no harm comes to the kids. Don't have to worry about that. Good. But they move into this new house. They move into the house with the four kids, two medical students as a lodger, the cook and a new 14-year-old maid called Mary. I'm assuming it was a big house. Well, well, I would have thought so. Well, to be honest, well, yeah, I mean, Mary is probably living in a under the stairs or something like that. She's not living um, in a cupboard, Nick. I think she wouldn't be far <laughs> off. A small room in the cellar, perhaps. <laughs> a, a small room in the air, in the loft or something. The servants' quarters. Um, but she's not Harry Potter. Or is she? <laughs> you don't know. Well, oh, my God. J.K. Rowling <laughs> lived in Edinburgh when she wrote Harry Potter. They're in Glasgow. It all fits! So they moved into the new house with all of the lodgers and the children and the cooks and the maids under the stairs. But by October 1864, Mrs. Pritchard has begun to fall ill. Mm. She has started vomiting regularly. She's complaining of stomach pains. And this goes on. So for a short time, she goes to her family home in Edinburgh to convalesce. And there she makes a good recovery. Hurrah! Good. Hurrah for Mary. Then she comes back home for Christmas. Oh, shit. Uh, that's always a bad thing. Mm, not good. Within two weeks... She has fallen ill again. She always suffers after meals. What a surprise. And this continues mm. for weeks, this ongoing intestinal illness. Um, her husband describes it as gastric fever or different times, describes it as different things. But he's a doctor. He's treating her. She has bouts of vomiting. Then she recovers. Then it happens again. And always these stomach cramps. When she takes to her room, her food is brought to her by her husband, Dr. Pritchard. Mm, how very kind of him. Mm. But eventually Mary's mother, Mrs. Taylor, arrives to tend to her daughter. She moves in to the couple's bedroom. She stays in her room and she cares for her round the clock. She sleeps in the same bed. Dr. Pritchard stays in the spare room. He's ousted from that room. But occasionally he mm. comes in to join them for dinner, bringing his wife tea or, as is a direct quote, <laughs> to butter his wife's bread at mealtimes, <laughs> which I find desperately unsettling. <laughs> but Dr. Pritchard perhaps isn't so worried about being thrown out of the marital bed. Obviously, his wife's vomiting everywhere, so it's not a pleasant place to it's be. It's not, not a fun place. Yeah. No, but he has other things in his mind. Mainly, the maid! Yes. Oh, the sexy teenage, very much underage. Yeah, the 14-year-old maid. Oh, he can't keep out of that cupboard under the stairs. There's not a lot of room in there for them. And not, not them in the beard. <laughs> Okay, you just stand there. Put your leg up there. Okay, I'm just trying to shut the... The beard can't get... Okay, you need to move. You go out. I get the beard in. And you just work around it. Yes, the maid. He has seduced this teenage girl. Promising her marriage. Giving her gifts. You know what gifts he gave her? No. He gave her jewellery. Um, and he gave nice. her um, uh, lovely pictures of himself. <laughs> the flyers that no one else wanted. <laughs> As, I have a box of flyers. I'll in. sign them for you. <laughs> I'm just imagining him drawing his own self-portraits over and over again, and they're lying in bed. I have you another gift. Oh, really? It's another. It's another picture of you. Mm-hmm. And there will be like okay. a flip book. 
if you did them really quickly. <laughs> of the beard just growing. <laughs> the beard just going bigger. Lots of erotic sketches of himself. Draw me like one of your French girls. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, all this while, all this while this is going on, Mrs. Pritchard is just getting sicker. What could be the cause, Nick? What could be the cause? Well, let's look at the evidence that we have at the moment. What poisons could be in the house? Well, well, see, if we go in Victorian, it's going to be arsenic. You would think. Is it not? Tisn't. It's strychnine. No. As you say. No, we are dealing with antimony. Antimony, however one says it. Thank Dr. Catherine Harkup from our bonus episode, who <laughs> I heard say antimony, and internally I was going, oh God, I've been saying it wrong for so long. I've been saying antimony. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily wrong, it's just a different pronunciation. She is an actual doctor and a chemist. Yes. <laughs> I'm easily led, I'm sorry. This is true. <laughs> but antimony, tartarometic, in other words, uh, that is uh. in the house, and asinite, as we know, famously... Monkshood. Yeah. Yes, the root. Another fun fact about Monkshood, actually, that we've talked about this in the past, wonderful uh, folklore roots of this poison, uh, linked back to Cerberus's drool, drooly goodness, we all know. Drooly goodness, yeah. I forgot about that. (laughs) You're not going to forget about the next thing I'm going to say. Oh, God. So Monkshood, well, it grows wild, looks quite like horseradish. So you can get it, you can get it, and there's all sorts of cases of people poisoning their loved ones with it. Jockeys in horse racing would uh, mix the monk's wood with ginger and rub it on or in the horse's anus to render him lively. Yes, I've heard of that. Ginger. (laughs) And monkshood. And monkshood. I have heard that before. Okay, Nick, I don't want to ask where you've heard that. I have no idea. I have heard that before. I wouldn't be surprised if it was researching this bloody podcast. You come across (laughs) terrible, terrible things. Oh, I'm disappointed that you already know that. And also, this is what our life has become. I know. I am so sorry to anyone who is sensitive listening to this. I will remember that, I'm sure. In my jockey days down the track. (laughs) I'm sure. You were the first person advocating it. Absolutely, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be down there. there was a, you need you need to ride the horse, Nick. Please stop tormenting it. <laughs> God, the poor bastard horse! They had me on those back. <laughs> <laughs> it would need bloody ginger on that one. <laughs> it's a Shire horse. It's right. full of ginger. A Shire horse actually wouldn't be affected by ginger or monkshood at all. A Shire horse is Just like slightly pissed off and probably. Uh, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Stop bringing it on. <laughs> Just walking along like hard as hard as nails. So there you go. Something about monkshood that you knew. Well, no, I didn't. Know, I didn't know the monkshood bit. I knew the ginger bit. I didn't know monkshood was involved in that particular application. <laughs> so I have learned something new, and I'm grateful to you. We aim to educate <laughs> on this podcast, and it's sad the stuff that we now know. Uh, it truly is. Two other items are in the house to keep in mind: chloroform. To our doctory, so not to be unexpected, potentially. And Batty's sedative liquor. That sounds delightful. It is an opiate, a mixture of opium, that Mrs. Taylor takes for her headaches. She's rather fond of this drug, and it is an (laughs) over-the-counter-ish drug, but yes. I do love how just opium is just over-the-counter. Here, have some heroin. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Pretty much. It's good for you. You have a headache. Please take some opium. It'll knock you out for three days and you'll feel great. But it makes you intrigued, doesn't it? <laughs> Everyone in the Victorians got some opium. They were having a very jolly time. Why didn't I get some opium? But not many other drugs of any kind that you would expect a doctor to have in the house are present. But does he run his GP's? Does he run his GP surgery from his house? You would think he would have a doctor's bag. This is very true. Ooh. That is very true. I, I've always wanted one of those. I could probably Gladstone bag. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be good. What would you keep in it? Just things. Oh, or probably like a standard lab like Mary Poppins. <laughs> no, you need, to, you need to have a series of tinctures that are actually cocktails in a bag. That'd be so cool. Or just open that up for, for a party or just for, or for a meeting by the river. I've, I've seen those and I've so nearly bought them. You can, you can get bags like that that have been modified so the insides are all like divided out and things, but they are insanely expensive. Uh, if anyone does make uh, those kind of Gladstone bags, please send them to Nick. We don't have a PO box. Just message us on Instagram. We'll do whatever you want. <laughs> but Mrs. Pritchard, you know what? She has far more to worry about than a headache right now. She is still vomiting. She's still complaining of pains. This woman has been suffering for weeks. There are other doctors who have visited her, but none of them can either decide what is wrong with her or will treat her properly it seems to be now doctors obviously have to pay for them at the time so while they're not poor 
it's a big expense. And also, they have a doctor in the house, Dr. Pritchard, and people want to believe him. But he's quite welcoming of, oh, let's get a second opinion in. And they tend to go to family members or family friends for second opinions. One chap who comes around is a cousin of Mrs. Pritchard. And he prescribes a very good treatment for her stomach pain. Uh, nice mustard poultice on the abdomen. I mean, it'll do the trick. Yep, just rub some yeah. mustard just on there. Just rub some mustard on your stomach. Uh, but he also has a much better internal treatment for her. Uh, take some ice and champagne. Yay! <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it'll cure whatever it is. It'll, oh, it'll cure all your ailments. A bottle of champagne will be marvellous. There's genuinely nothing like an acidic, fermented... <laughs> bubbling drink to cure your stomach problems that is the way to go absolutely as long as it's good champagne yes tiny tiny well, tight bubbles champagne. tight bubbles that's what you want tiny bubbles, tiny bubbles, tiny bubbles not tiny big bubbles. bubbles that's just the devil's work uh, another family friend uh, who was also a doctor turns up to examine her oh and he says she's drunk is this from the champagne <laughs> most probably <laughs> so the doctor she's who vomiting. came out last night has given her all the champagne <laughs> <laughs> see this would be your sort so, of treatment so I give you this bottle of champagne. It's got to last you at least two weeks, this champagne prescription. You're like, oh, I drank it all last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> drank it all. I felt a bit sick. Just a touch of champagne every now and then. So, so a doctor literally comes around and says she's drunk because she's throwing up everywhere. He prescribes her milk, bread and eggs. I bet you're glad I didn't use any of those as a secret ingredient. Well, eggs we could do. We've done eggs, though. Have we, we done eggs? We've done eggs. Yeah. We did chicken. We did yeah, chicken. Yes, did chicken. Bread would be tricky, I feel. Just have some toast to see in the I, I reckon you could do you could do like a milkshake with brown bread ice cream, which is one of my favourite ice creams. In a cocktail, potentially. It would be more of a hard milkshake. What about mustard? Nothing springs to mind. But I bet if you Googled it, it's one of those random things like Heston Blumenthal or something has come up with. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It can't be nice. Dijon? Maybe? Sh- maybe a whole grain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some cocktails out there. Not sure I would want to try one. I think there is like a mustard powder challenge out there, like the cinnamon challenge where you have to snort mustard powder. No. Let's not. do that this Friday. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not. Don't. Don't do it. it. Don't do it. Everyone eat a spoonful of mustard and see where it leads. But yes, we have champagne. We're happy about that. We have a lovely cocktail. Let's keep it classy. We've done horses' anuses covered in ginger and monks. We've done mustard rubbed on the body. But this is the stuff that this woman had to... This is what you had to deal with. And this is only the Victorian era. We're not talking about well, the 1500s or anything. Is this an improvement on last week? When it was like, <laughs> it was sorcery. It's black magic. Well, at least it's black magic that you could just walk out of the room and just go, well, it's black magic. There we go. You need to have a witch come in and sew money into your bed. No one's rubbing mustard on your face and making you eat boiled eggs and champagne and you're going and then saying she's drunk it gets better it gets it does get better does it okay good yeah so while mrs pritchard is is suffering through all of these treatments that are being hurled at her mrs taylor her mother the mother-in-law of dr pritchard she's starting to feel uncomfortable with all of this in more ways than one (laughs) (laughs) The household orders some tapioca to give to Mrs. Pritchard to help settle her stomach. You know what tapioca is? I remember having it's sort of a school dinners sort of pudding. Yeah, it makes a gelatinous kind of dessert. Some people say it's delicious. Some people hate it. It's prepared by the cook. It is left somewhere for a period of time. But by the time it arrives to <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Pritchard gets it and goes, I don't want that. It's gross. <laughs> She turns it down, but her mother, Mrs. Taylor, goes, "Mm, yum, yummy, yummy. I love tapioca, has a few spoonfuls of it. Within 30 minutes, she is vomiting and doubled over with the same stomach pains as her daughter. That is speedy work. It's speedy work, but it's not fatal. She's struck down with the same illness that has befallen her. Definitely to the rest of society, to the rest of their neighbours, to anyone else, these women have been inflicted by an illness that has dragged on and dragged on. Unfortunately, no treatments are helping. At this time, there's one ray of hope who arrives on the scene. Kind of a ray of hope. We'll come back to this. Dr. James Patterson, he lives on the same street as the Pritchards. He has 30s experience of being a doctor sorry medical experience i should have said (laughs) and dr pritchard himself calls him in to the house for a second opinion says come and look at my wife okay i'm assuming that he is doing something to poison these women but he must be either so unbelievably 
overconfident in his skills as a chemist that he thinks he can fool all these doctors or so contemptuous of these doctors to thinking well they're just never going to get know what's going on i think it's just that that level of mania and that madness you are trying to construct the perfect murder very much in inverted commas whether he's trying to do the perfect murder or not whatever he's doing if he wanted the women dead he could put a huge amount of poison in their food dead done and then just blame it on an accident he is obviously giving them doses over time to make it seem like it is an illness what strengthens your case which is stupid in hindsight get someone else in and go oh yeah get them to verify that this is a gastric illness so that's probably what he's doing with patterson turn around and said oh i think it's poisoning patterson comes in and he looks at the two women and he isn't quite comfortable with what he sees he sees these two women and they're they're not well pritchard at that time is sort of whispering in patterson's ear going well the women are they're a little bit fond of the old drink and uh, mrs taylor over there she <laughs> enjoys a drop she enjoys her opium she does she does yeah yes he's he claims that the old woman who's 70 now she is completely addicted to this batty's solution this opium and he says she has a good swig of it regularly. But Dr. Patterson, he looks at Mrs. Taylor, who is lying in bed, and she's quite a healthy, stout woman. She's she's lying there. She's clearly not well. But he is smart enough to kind of deduce she's not someone who's in the throes of alcoholism or uh, drug addiction. She's just unwell. So he's unsettled by what Dr. Pritchard says, but he doesn't do a great deal about it he believes it's gastric fever he prescribes some treatments just again some foods that will help settle the stomach he goes away there are a couple of reports that he is called upon during the night he doesn't go because he feels like there's nothing he can do but in the morning mrs taylor is dead the mother-in-law is dead and patterson felt so uneasy about what he had seen and the sudden death of this woman that he refuses to sign the death certificate he will later go on to write in private to the registrar feeling that the death was mysterious that he felt that something was wrong there's no indication that anything was done about Mm. this letter that was sent to the registrar and in fact in the end mrs taylor's death certificate was signed by pritchard himself and he attributed the death to apoplexy and paralysis but that just leaves mrs pritchard on the 13th of march mrs pritchard was sent up a piece of cheese for her supper by her husband i i heartily agree yes cheese is good it's my birthday a piece of cheese there we are darling yeah on my birthday Oh, it's 13th of March, it's your birthday. You keep shouting that. And I was like, it's not Mrs. Pritchard's birthday. Oh, yes, it's your birthday. it's my birthday. (laughs) Would you like a piece of cheese? Everyone should have cheese. I like cheese. (laughs) Everyone should have cheese on my birthday. She sent a piece of cheese. Mrs. Pritchard does not want to eat it. She's given all these food going, fuck off with this food. It's terrible. (laughs) She declines to eat it, but she asked the maid, Mary the maid. Remember Mary the maid? Oh, she's still around. Oh, she's still around. She's still around. She says, can you taste the cheese for me? And Mary claims it tasted hot like pepper and was had a burning sensation in her throat it was removed from the room but the cook also tasted it found the same problem with a burning taste and then began vomiting Mm. cook recovers two days later dr pritchard sends up another concoction to his wife's room an egg flip an egg-based drink now do you know what's in an egg flip I do know what's in an egg flip. It's a really, it's a very, very old school cocktail. Um, but they're from like the 1650s. I think the first one I'm wow. recording was like, so they've been around a long time. I, I'd heard of an egg flip, but I thought that would be a cheat to make that the secret ingredient. But an egg flip. There's quite a few different variants on it. But I think the basic one is a spirit. So I think brandy or cognac. I've seen some with gin. I'm not entirely convinced about sugar and a whole egg. So it's not, you have come across just egg whites in a cocktail but this is a whole yolk and all so it's, it's like eggnog so you, egg not egg, but, but egg eggnog not. has cream in it <laughs> eggnog has cream in it I know you can get a prairie oyster that people swear by as a hangover cure which is a whole egg and I think it's brandy and Tabasco or something and you knock something that, like that down you Cabaret. exactly but he sends up an egg flip to her it, it could be I mean we're, we're crediting this with more than it could be I mean he could have just gone in there and thrown a fucking egg at her for all we know and they say, I'm going to interrupt again, because there was a cocktail that I so nearly made oh, yeah. for this episode. And I'm going to do it one day, because it sounds really intriguing. Okay. Um, and it's called, it was called a death flip. Uh, okay. So it's a variation on the flip, but it was called the death flip. Okay, what's in it? What's that? It had Jaeger okay. in it, yellow chartreuse. Fuck off. 
<laughs> which I know is just your sort of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what else was there? And tequila. What? And, so and, those and, are, yeah, and so an te- egg. So tequila, yellow chartreuse, uh, Jägermeister, bit of sugar, Ooh. whole egg. Oh, oh, the bit of sugar there to, dis- to disrupt the horror that is in that glass. And then a the whole egg. What? Shaky, shaky, shake. No, that is not. A, that's not a cocktail. That no, is I'm quite very much that. a two in the morning. Dagger home and make some shit in a glass and I... force your friend to drink it because they've they've not won a dare. They wouldn't tell you who they kissed in <laughs> high school or something like that, and then they're just like, now you have to drink the drink. Because <laughs> I've I've had whole egg cocktails before Ew. with with the yolk and everything in. It sounds really weird, but then but that does make them a lot richer. So I'm going to make this because I have all those ingredients in the cupboard. This is my weekend experiment because <laughs> I'm this really in, I'm really intrigued about how that's going to be. You're going to make it. Can we, can, yeah. I, can we socially distance? Can I meet up and like you can deliver yeah. me one like on the doorstep? I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll mix the spirits ingredients together for you yeah. in the bottle. And then all you have to do is provide the egg. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be and there will be pictures on Instagram. <laughs> we're doing it we're doing it gotta do it now <laughs> it's the law but anyway he sends up the egg flip that is not the death flip he may have put he may have put chartreuse in there he may have just said a last treat for my wife um sends it up to mrs p he even adds two lumps of sugar himself to the drink <laughs> how kind of him again before it goes up the cook tastes it this is a shitty cook by the way who's just eating and <laughs> drinking all of the stuff that's sent off cook tastes it again remarks on the horrible taste and becomes ill the same symptoms that mrs pritchard has this is just now this farcical series of more bizarre food being sent to mrs pritchard <laughs> to get her to eat it or drink it saying this will cure her she doesn't taste it the servants are dying around her or like doubling over in pain um, Dr. Patterson does come back one last time and he remarks on how awful she looks. She has a wild expression in her eyes, red eyes. Her tongue is brown and foul. Mm, oh, nice. She, at this time, even though she can barely speak, is imploring the doctor for help. She's trying to say that her mother wasn't addicted to the Batty's mixture. There was something wrong. She's describing her symptoms. But Dr. Pritchard is there the whole time and just says his wife is raving. And the next day, Mrs. Pritchard is dead. Oh, boo. I mean, she's uh, got to be mean. Hell, she's suffered through a hell of a lot. Terrible time. Awful, awful. This has just I mean, been a long, really slow, slow gotcha. death. And no one said anything. No one's done anything. And the amount of doctors that have been in. That's um, Prescribing whatever they can come up with on the day. Dr. Pritchard makes a great public show when his wife dies sure his wife's body is taken back to the family home in edinburgh and he makes quite the scene by the casket the casket is open for people to view he weeps openly over her body he kisses his wife on the lips he declares his undying devotion to her his love for her people are moved to tears and they report it and say how affected he was but when he gets on the train and he steps off at home in glasgow on the platform is there a comforting maid? There is not a comforting maid. Oh, I was, I was assuming there was going to be a, a, a maid to comfort him in his distress. There's not a maid standing there with her top open going, let's have a go. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves his wife, dabbing his eyes, gets on the train home to Glasgow, steps off at the platform and is arrested for her murder. Good. Because the police have received an anonymous letter. A letter, apparently two letters, maybe one, but certainly people tipping them off saying that Dr. Pritchard must be investigated for the deaths of both Mrs. Taylor and his wife. Who these letters are from is never determined. Some think it's Dr. Patterson. Yeah. He denies it. He denies it. Inside the house or the cook or the maid or something. Quite possibly. Could could have been anyone. Could have been anyone. But they, they get these letters and they decide to investigate Was him. it the mother-in-law from beyond the grave? <laughs> she was writing in a coffin. Dear police. I'm dead. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> the police stripped the house of all the medicines that were the few that there were in there. As we said, that Dr. Patterson at one point had tried to give the patients some sedatives and he had gone to Dr. Pritchard and said, well, I, I can give you a prescription. Let's make up with what you have in the house in your doctor's bag. And he had nothing. Shows what kind of a quack he was. But they take whatever is in the house. The few medicines they were, the the foods, the tapioca, the sheets that the women were lying on, any traces of mischief. 
Mrs. Pritchard's body is examined, Mrs. Taylor's body is exhumed, and both are found to contain traces of antimony. Ah. The trial is big news, of course. It is covered every day in the local press. Dr. Pritchard is seen as calm and collected, and while he's not necessarily loved locally or highly respected, he just doesn't fit the profile for a murderer. He's also very calm and dabs his eyes in court and cries at appropriate times when his dear wife is mentioned oh god no, darling darling uses his beard to dab his eyes in his cell he even has a family picture which he shows the guards and he shows them how much he loves his family but it's when the maid mary takes the stand that the newspapers report that his appearance changes into something animal she confesses to the affair with the doctor he seduced her he gave her the gifts of pictures of himself and jewelry and he had gotten her pregnant Uh, she says she miscarried but there are suspicions that perhaps he provided an abortion she wouldn't have admitted that there would be an abortion they were even caught kissing by mrs pritchard she walked in on them that'll do it mary tried to leave She tried to leave the service and the wife said her husband was a nasty, dirty man. Nasty, dirty man. But she wouldn't let the maid go. Curious. That's just what Mary says. But the wife knew. Dr. Patterson himself gives evidence, voicing his belief that those women were poisoned. In some of the testimonies, Dr. Patterson really covers his tracks about the Uh, fact that he didn't report uh, any of this. It it feels quite like, well, I didn't say this because I wasn't their doctor and I was only on a personal call at this time and I didn't do that. I think I feel like he's very guilty, feels very guilty that he didn't spot it. And he doesn't say that much. He could have saved their lives, but I think it's probably human error that he just was brought into this. An apothecary comes forward confirming that he sold Dr. Pritchard vast amounts of poison. The test revealed the antimony is found in the tapioca and in the Batty's solution. Ah. So the opiate that Mrs. Taylor was taking also had antimony in it. Problem is, why? Why did he do this? Just going to ask you, yeah, why? Was there a a life insurance? No. Thing. I mean, did he legitimately think he was going to run off with and fall in love with a maid? Both of those theories of are kind of thrown out. The, the the inheritance from his wife would have been tiny. His uh, the mother in law left only two thirds of something like two thousand and five hundred pounds to her daughter and her other children. So he was only going to inherit a tiny amount from his yeah, wife. She she had she had barely anything. He wasn't really fussed about the maid. I mean, he'd been shagging her, but he'd been shagging everyone, or been trying to shag everyone. Yeah. It turns out he was just massively in debt, but he was terrified of bankruptcy. Bankruptcy would have absolutely ruined his reputation. He could not have mixed in any of the circles that he didn't even mix in in the first place, but he would have had no chance of getting in there. He had run up all sorts of bills. He had taken out extra mortgages, but he was just so fixated on not being bankrupt. Whatever his reason was for killing his wife, we don't really know. Bizarre. The jury take about an hour to return the guilty verdict. While awaiting execution, Dr. Pritchard confessed to his crimes, finally. Uh. He at first said the maid, Mary, was in on it, but eventually he said he did it all by himself. He says that he blamed it on terrible madness and ardent spirits. He also says, now remember I mentioned chloroform in the house earlier on. Mm-hmm. He said that he ended up giving his wife chloroform to hurry the death along. Now, chloroform would only be detected, I think, in the lungs or in the brain. But mm. it's an interesting thing to add in that he had it in the house. Some people think that he tried to just end her suffering because he was seeing it or it just was taking too long. It's just taking too long. But he gave her chloroform to end it. But that's why chloroform features in this poisoning case because it's possibly an extradition. But he was the last man to be publicly hanged in Scotland. And his hanging was watched by 10,000 people. Some reports erroneously say 100,000. I think that's literally a misprint. More people than are in Scotland at that point, I would imagine. A mm-hmm. couple of quick postscripts here. One paper reported, no one who saw the intelligent, thoughtful and mild looking individual seated in the dock on the first morning could be prepared for anything like the consummate villainy and diabolic cruelty which each day brought to light the whole murderous plot a second postscript is that pritchard was buried in the south prison's murderer's graveyard uh where plots were only initial identified by the initials of the dead 
But years later, many, many, many years later, uh, the high court was being built there and the workmen digging up the site found a pair of shoes underneath a stone marked EWP and the shoes were wrapped in hair and the workmen took them and sold them at a nearby pub. Why would they be wrapped in hair? Maybe it was his beard. (laughs) (laughs) By this point, it's got so long it's reached to his feet. Yeah, then maybe, maybe. But his shoes were sold at a pub. There we are. It's not a very interesting postscript. <laughs> no, so I was interested by that first postscript you did. That, that newspaper where there's... Was it about his desperate evil villainy? Or whatever the consummate villainy and diabolic cruelty. Consum- I mean, is it consummate villainy? Mm. It seems like don't, don't, no one knew why he did it. It, was, it certainly didn't seem to be for love of killing people i think it's pretty was... damn cruel what he did oh it's yeah oh well, yeah it's it's a horrible thing thing to, to have done. poison to slowly poison his wife over weeks and months and his mother-in-law because she was getting in the way but it it just seems like such a pointless thing to do well it's a little bit how these poisoners were reported at the time william palmer who is another person mentioned in the elton Kona door quote he killed one person and was reported as the greatest villain that ever walked the streets. It was showing up the fact that you could use poison, you could use your position as a doctor, as a trusted member of society, to kill your loved ones. Oh, for sure. I think from from his point of view, what did he gain out of it? That's, that's the thing that's, that stumps me. I don't know what he gained out of it why, other than... Why did he do it in the first place? Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. What he did was a terrible thing and hugely villainous, but why unless he thought he was going to get more money from the mother-in-law than he did. well potentially maybe he yes, thought maybe. there was a bigger estate uh that his wife would be getting all the money and the other siblings wouldn't it, uh, by all accounts it was a very small portion of her estate his wife had already given money to buy this the house that they were living in when they moved house she had contributed 500 pounds to uh the mortgage or to buy to buy the place so maybe he just maybe they didn't talk maybe they he genuinely thought uh, he was going to get more money and it would just get him out of bankruptcy and also free him of a wife and he could shag whoever he wanted to in high society so so yeah her father being a silk merchant or whatever perhaps they're thinking oh he's got he must have loads of cash um and this is also a man who is coming on to all of his patients who's flirting with every woman who's not a looker by any stretch of the imagination um and is also lying about his past, is wandering around handing out postcards with his face on the street. The guy is not with it, or he is so arrogant that he just believes, as we've seen in a couple of cases, they just believe they can get away with it, that that, that no one's going to suspect them, that they are that good at medicine, they are that good at their profession, They no one's going to question them. You just get into that mindset of, like, it's 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 fine. It's fine. No one's going to question me. No one's going to catch me. Hmm. Mm there we go so the case of dr pritchard and it's mentioned in sherlock holmes yeah that's that's what i'm intrigued about because obviously they they would have had such notoriety that the reading public would have recognized the name and agreed that yes what a desperate villain and what a clever villain he was so it is only Mm. with the benefit of a hundred years later hindsight that we can say you know he's a bit of a tit but these were massive stories at the time palmer and pritchard this was reported every single day how did a Mm. doctor manage to kill people we're supposed to trust doctors we're supposed to revere them and and everything about his past and everything that could be found you know oh suddenly there are people who are poisoning them poisoning their loved ones in their house yeah it was terrifying and those would have been two of the biggest cases around Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's time. I don't know. I mean, it's sensational. It's just when we do these things, it's difficult to think about how terrifying it would have been at the time, how new all this stuff is. Yeah, because mm. we do it very jokingly and say, so, well, how the hell did he get away with that? It seems, seems so obvious. But at the time, it's, yeah, it's difficult. Sometimes it's easy to forget that at the time, these were truly terrifying events. He was awful, but... We have to credit him. Magnificent beard. It is a magnificent beard. It's a magnificent beard. Maybe the beard was controlling him. A potential. He was trying to run away with his beard. <laughs> that was it. The beard Perhaps was the beard saying, was jealous of if the you wife. kill your wife... If you, you kill your wife, we can be together. <laughs> It'll just be us. He rubs his beard every night. I love your beard. Love your beard. That's what I do. I love your beard. I love you. But that's why my, my new goal is to, is to equal Dr. Pritchard in beardliness. 
Not in evil. <laughs> not, no, not in evilness, in pure beardliness. But you have to be careful now, because if you grow the beard, what if it becomes evil? Anyway, that is the story of Dr. Pritchard. As ever, what do you think? Come and have a chat with us on social media if you have thoughts and views and ideas about what the hell was up with that case and why. <laughs> As ever, if you like what you've heard, share it with friends, leave us a review on iTunes, a lovely review, um, or wherever you listen to your podcast, it all helps us. And come and have a chat, comment on our posts, and share your pictures of cocktails. Well, quite, because, yes, I'm French 75 will be out this evening. As will, and I'm going to do this, the deathly flip i want to try this it's going to happen i think maybe we should do a video for that if we do the deathly flip i think we should do a live a live video tasting so people can see the look on my face when chartreuse passes my lips chartreuse jaeger and tequila with an egg it's not going to end well i've got a feeling this is actually going to be quite nice why do you want to hurt me, Nick? This is, this think... is going to be a case that is talked about a hundred years from now. Like, he had no reason. He had no motive to kill her. You are going to hate it. You are going to hate it. Um, that I know. Yes, I will. It's made entirely of twigs. I've got a feeling I might quite like this one. <laughs> well, tune in this weekend, darling. be good. So, as ever, we have been the people inside the poisonous cabinet. We will see you next week, various gods willing. And remember... Your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.